Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Okay, okay. Listen, it's Fat Mascara here. You clicked on us for a reason. You know that this is the interview, but it's not the a new interview. One. The, in- the interview. I'm the Jen in- Sullivan, by the way. Hi. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Matlin. I want to get straight to the big interview. This is not a new one, but listen, we had to do so many interviews. I don't expect you. You hear them all. You're busy people. But Jen and I like to resurface some of the best ones. And we thought now, during our two-week Memorial Day summer, like, you know, moment. It was only we one thought, week we had off, technically. Wait, what? We had yeah. one week off? Yeah, you we had, had kind of book, one. Yeah. Oh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get nitpicky about it. But I was working last week. We had on Prima 2. Um, and then Elise Who with the book, Flawless. That yes, was yes, last yes, Friday. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So now we're both on vacay. This okay, Friday, we're both we on vacay. <laughs> we have um, Sharon Shooter. What a force. Awesome. Yes, she is a force. Jen, tell us about when Sharon came. When Sharon came to visit. It was 2021. I remember oh it like God. it was yesterday. No, yeah. she is the founder of Oma Beauty and Oma by Sharon C. She was the CEO and creative director of those brands, but she actually just announced that she's stepping away from the brand. In a post on Instagram, she said, quote, I'm going into solitude mode for most of June to do some writing, enjoy my garden, cook, spend time with close friends. All the things I've not been able to do for a while. It's time to do less and achieve more, end quote. I think there's something in the ether, actually, with regards to this. I just saw the founder and CEO of Sugar Lash Pro step down this week, and some indie brands have closed. I think we talked about this on the podcast in the past, the brand Wildcat. That just shuttered. There's just a bit of a reshuffling going on in the beauty world. But none of that diminishes the power of the brands Sharon built and and also the activism she's done. In 2020, she launched the Pull Up or Shut Up campaign, calling for other brands to publicly release the breakdown of Black employees at the corporate and executive levels. And this spring, when Oma launched its most recent marketing campaign called We See You, she alluded to the longtime goal that she's had of making the beauty world more inclusive, something we spoke with her about in this interview, which, like I said, was originally from 2021. So before we let you hear about that and from Sharon herself, I'll just leave you is something she said publicly just about a month ago that I think really summarizes what she stands for. Sharon Shooter said, 
quote, inclusivity isn't a simple problem with a simple solution. It's a long game, and both retailers, investors, and brands have to be prepared to invest in that and understand that they're going to start reaping the results in about seven or eight years' time. So with that, we'll see what's next for Sharon soon. But in the meantime, here's Sharon Shooter. So Sharon, hi, welcome to Fat Mascara. Thank you. Thank you for having me, J and J. It's our pleasure. It's funny. I want to hear, I want to hear everything. I know a bit of your backstory. I want to share it with our listeners. But before we get into that, since we were just talking about this offline, I was like, wait, let's just start recording. So this week is one of those weeks where there's a lot of heavy news going on in the world. And I said to you, it's hard to talk about lipstick on days like this. And you had a really good response, (laughs) which is what? Exactly. I think, you know, definitely with everything that's going on in the world, but what makes it uh, a bit easier for me and my team is that every day we're not coming around and selling lipstick, right? We're not just selling eyeshadows. Everything we do is steeped in trying to make the world a better place. So when we're innovating, you know, I told you innovation I'm working on today and I'm looking and reviewing even for, for next year. And it's looking at, hey, historical figures. How did they make it better? What was the quote? Let's make sure it's right. What was the moment in time? And, and all of that just really helps you really, you know, focus on, uh, to be honest, when I look at what's happening in the world for me, it's just a reminder on why we must not stop, right? Why this is really what matters, not the lipstick, right? And the makeup for, for me is my avenue, is my channel. I tell people, if I could write a song, I, will, I would have released an album to talk about this or to make it better. And so uh, I think for myself and, and my team, that's what makes days like this a bit, you know, uh, a bit easier to navigate through. Because if we were just sitting here making products and trying to figure out, is Kylie Jenner going to like it, right? Um, on a day like this, yeah, really, is that really important? But when mm-hmm. you're creating things and the goal is about how can we use this to unite, right? How can we use this, like the collection I'm working on, we're actually using that to raise money for a community, to support the community, right? So, so when you yeah. actually are focused on things like that, um, days like this just fire you up in a positive way in that it makes you even more focused and determined. Yeah, Jess, and I want to ask you about some of um, the mission built into the beauty brands that you've built and your activism. But before we get into some of that, I feel like we have to let our listeners get to know you and your backstory a tiny bit. Um, How did you even get into this beauty world? You just mentioned writing a song. Like, was that like your your career you didn't have? Oh my God, we're going to need a lot of wine. Oh, it's not <laughs> nine o'clock yet, but let's, let's try and navigate through this without wine. So, you know, my career, my life story has been very interesting. Everybody thinks that everything that happened to me was by plan, but everything that's happened to me has been by just it happening, right? So I started my life as an academic. I actually got into university at 15. So I was one of those quote unquote gifted scientific kids. Um, and then I had an artistic streak. So I decided, you know what, I'm done with this whole like, you know, engineering BS and um, I'm going to go become Beyonce, you know, I wanted to. So there was, OK, there was a singer, a singer inside you. Uh, there was okay. a, a time where I was performing, recording music. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. And that's actually how I came into beauty, because very quickly you realize that music does not pay the bills. That's the truth. About music. <laughs> and you actually do need a day job until you become Meg the Stallion. Right. And so, um, so I needed to go find a day job and fast. And I had given, I had dropped out of uni at the time with my parents' absolute dismay because they were just thinking I was having a teenage crisis or something like that. Oh, you know what? She got a lot of things too quick and she can't handle it kind of thing. And so I needed to find something to do. And um, at the time I was like, hey, the other thing I'm passionate about other than music is makeup. I love wearing makeup. There were no makeup brands in my country. So long story short, through crazy, sheer craziness, I brought Revlon to Nigeria as a teenager. Um, and so... Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what do you mean you brought Revlon to Nigeria as a teenager? <laughs> That's kind of like... You just dropped that. <laughs> I know, no. So at the time, you know, we we had a lot of like, you know, Mac was huge in Nigeria, but none of the brands were officially in the country, right? It was just... Women will go overseas. Like, I mean, travel retail probably have their budgets they were making it from Nigerians because you would just stuff up your suitcase, bring it back home, and then sell it at a premium, right? And so for me, it was like, well, why don't we have these brands directly in the country? 
And as a teenager, you don't understand why, right? You don't care. And that's the beauty about being a teenager. You just, you're naive, right? So I reach out to almost every brand I could muster or find the email address that was at the early days of the internet. So thank you very much. Um, and of course, every brand told me in a, the most polite way to like fuck off uh, um, that they could. And the only brand that sort of responded and were interested was Revlon. And they had been trying to enter the market for 16 years. Now, they didn't know I was a teenager. I was pretending because I was working at the time with a distribution company. I was pretending to okay. be like this high up there. And so they engaged with me. And next thing you know, I actually, out of craziness, um, there was a regulatory issue that made them not be able to come in. And I walked into this office, knew nobody, spent a whole day, ended up finding a loophole and how to bring them in. And I became the official distributor of Revlon. So that was actually my first business. And um, when everything happened, I ended up coming clean to go, hey, I'm a teenager. I don't know what I'm doing. And so they were actually kind enough to actually, um, I, I essentially sold the license to an actual company who could do the work. Uh, so that was my first time, you know, creating a business and flipping it. And um, it's also the reason why I came into beauty full time because I then realized that this dichotomy and this kind of clash I've always had in my life where I've been this incredible academic person, but at the same time, incredibly artistic, I found a home where I could merge both of them that was not either or, right? I found that in beauty, I could be, I thought I could be creative and also use my academic and commercial acumen. And then through that whole process with Revlon, I realized I also have a hustle, <laughs> Did you ever think of like selling this or like writing a movie script with your situation with with Revlon? Because I feel like this is some kind of crazy like hijinks comedy, like where the kid is on the phone and then it's just a kid. You know what I mean? Like I feel like this is like this is a like a this is a crazy comedy. Like the kid is the behind the business. Do you know what I mean? This is ridiculous. It's a kid running the business. Exactly, right? You get to the end and realize that it's this, like, literally. It's a little kid that's, like, a cosmetics, like, it's this, this is, like, a hysterical, I don't know, this is a script to me. This is a complete, like. We just created it now. Like, there you go. Let's let's make, put it together and sell it to Netflix. This is a movie. This is a movie. I don't understand why this is not, like, your next order of business. Because before you even had a career, this is, like, I, I don't know. That's tremendous. Okay, keep going. No, no, no. I mean, most of my life is wild, right? And everybody always jokes about it. You know, um, anybody who knows me always says, nobody can write a movie about your life. It has to be a series because each one of them, each chapter in your life is a whole entire movie of its own. So for some reason, uh, I tend to have drama follow me everywhere. And I'm also crazy. I do crazy things. But that was quite literally how I got into the beauty industry. And, and then I decided that instead of pursuing the entrepreneurial kind of pathway, I was going to take a step back, go work for companies, learn, and then maybe one day found my own business. And that's, that's really my story. Okay. All right. So, um, but then, all right. So you're in, sorry, I'm still stuck on you being like basically an imposter child, like cosmetic executive in, um, Nigeria. <laughs> um, but then you've started your own like you, you wanted you you properly got into the cosmetics business um in the US. Now take us there because then you started working like properly for multiple different cosmetics brands. Can how did like like take us through that a little bit? Cause I I wanna run through your but we all know that you, you know, are now your own like proper entrepreneur, but you you know you did your time with you know like you're basically you're a major beauty industry veteran so just walk us through your resume a little bit Yes. No, absolutely. You know, so once I decided I was going to, you know, go start from scratch, you know, I'm one of those people who have a very uh, um, different approach because a lot of people will just continue an entrepreneurial journey. I'm all about, you know, start from the bottom and you're going to, the, the journey is what matters, not actually the result. Right. So I went back and I started working for companies. I worked for different multinationals, L'Oreal, you know, I left beauty for a while. I went to work for PepsiCo. I worked in pharmaceuticals. And then I came back um, into LVMH and Benefit Cosmetics, where I, I had my first real executive role. And um, at that point in time, that was, you know, I, I had done what I wanted to do in corporate, to be honest, beyond what I thought I would be able to do in corporate life. Um, but at the same time, at the start of my career, all that mattered to me was making money. Get your bag was the was the mantra, right? And breaking the proverbial glass ceiling. And mm -hmm. um, when I got to the later part of my corporate life, it just didn't matter to me anymore. Did you like corporate life? I don't really see, I mean, we haven't known each other a long time. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I just don't see your like spirit really. No. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm a free spirit. I'm a very outspoken person. I'm a person who asks why. That's just innate. I mean, it's actually been the success of my brand, right? All the things that made me a terrible employee and, uh, and, and you know, company is <laughs> all about the factions and diplomacy. And I'm not good at that stuff. I always say to people ask me all the time, especially being an activist now, you should go into politics. You have ideas. And I say to them, you should know the difference between a politician and a warrior, right? Um, I'm not built mm. to pontificate. That's not what I do, right? My, 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 thing is I'm the person who stares things up, right? Um, I'm the revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people the revolutionary should never be the actual person who sits on that throne because it's two different skill set, right? Fidel Castro was an incredible revolutionary, shouldn't have sat there. You know, he should have handed <laughs> out power, right? You know, and so and so um that that's that's me. And that's why corporate life wasn't really my cup of tea, right? But I did it. I put my head down and this is what I would say to people when I advise kids and whatever. Sometimes you've got to go through that because I wouldn't do it any differently. That was a gift to me. It taught me so much. It taught me even about myself, how to actually assimilate. Unfortunately, I assimilated too far, right? It taught me how to flex mm. my style, how to work with people. I couldn't have run the company I'm running today and get a success in two years, if not because of the 14 years I spent in corporate life, right? So I still owe a lot of who I am today for the journey and the experience and the story. And like I said, I'm a person who values the journey and the process more than the result in the end. So yes, I did the whole corporate life thing. And um, for me, I gave it up because um, I had assimilated too far. I, it was just too far. Is corporate life really just about assimilation in your mind? It is. It is about, you know, it's almost like, uh, think about it, corporate life, formal education, everything is about conformity. Right. The ones who conform the most are the ones who if you're in school, the kids who are the star students are the ones who are the conforming. Right. If you had a kid who could learn, but not in the way the teacher was teaching, you get classified as unintelligent. But you're not not intelligent. You're just in the wrong kind of ecosystem. Right. And that's what corporate life is like. You have to really the rules of engagement. And now they're getting better. You know. Even my hairstyle, I couldn't wear this in my corporate career. It was I was literally expressively told by the MD at the time, oh, braids are ghetto and very career limiting, right? And I I don't know which job you're talking about, but like it's you you have you didn't you never you were never working in like corporate finance, which is like so exactly, crazy right? to me. You know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not that that's industry. okay in corporate finance. I'm not condoning that for corporate finance, but it's just so exactly. crazy to me. Yeah. But it was just, this is who you need to be, right? And that's the thing. Yeah. Most corporations are, the culture is very Anglo-Saxon. It's very Western, right? And I talk about even little things that people don't even pay attention to. You know, I was joking about it going my corporate career. I had to eat in my car or eat with the ethnics because every time you were eating in the kitchen, you have people surround you. Oh my God, you eat that. Oh, it stinks. Oh my God, this kitchen stinks. And you go like, you know what? Your food stinks to me too, but you don't hear me whinging about it, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. born with better manners. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the world is not my oyster. I might not like it. Doesn't mean I should even comment on it. It's the same thing that happens. You bring your hair out and everybody's digging their fingers in. Why is it oh texture my... like this way? And you like, because <laughs> that's my hair. Like, you that's know, crazy. and I'm like, you know, imagine me just touching your hair and go like, oh, why is the texture like this? You know, so I think um, it's all those nuances people don't think about, like even in a micro level, that creates a very uncomfortable kind of environment for people of color in general. And then for me, you know, you have the beautiful whammy of being female, which in corporations, yeah. especially when I was there, was its own set of challenges. So now you have female, then you add being a person of color, then you add my personality that I'm a very... I'm a weirdo, right? Uh, uh, corporations are not a place for weirdos. It's not a place for misfits. It's for people who fit. That's, like, you have to like fit, fit. If you're working for a French organization, if you want to get promoted, you, at some point you're going to have to go learn French and, and really fit into that lifestyle. And if you don't, there is no place for you. And so, yeah. and so for me, um, my corporate life was tough. Um, I got through it by looking up to people, people like Indira Nui, who I just absolutely adore. Never met the woman. I always joke that for people that if they meet Madonna, they're going to have a freak out. I'm like, no, nah, if I meet Indra New Year, I'm going to be on the floor crying, like, you know, like, you know, snort coming out of my nose kind of <laughs> tears because uh, she was actually the first female CEO of PepsiCo. And uh, what I loved about her, why she inspired me was she was an Indian immigrant, right? An Indian immigrant comes to America and then ascend to that place. And the gospel, according to Indra New Year, was work harder, 
right? Just, you know, you're a person mm-hmm. of color. If you're female, you just got to work, 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 work to get there. And that's the handbook that I use, right? And But that's also why I knew I needed to leave because that might be have been a handbook that worked for Indra and worked for myself, but that should not be the norm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for me working in beauty, beauty should have been a place where everybody can is celebrated. It's about self-love, it's about acceptance, you know, very similar to myself, who was a weird kid who was academic and creative and was able to find a home in beauty. Everybody should be able to do that, both in the inside of the organizations and on the outside as well. And that was why I left, because I realized, firstly, I was a shadow of myself. I had changed my name, my accent, you know, assimilated to crazy degrees that just you changed you know, your name. I did. I changed my name. Yeah. My is name Sha- is. So what's your given name? Yeah. So I was actually born Ufoma and Sharon was my middle name. Um, and oh. then I brought Sharon because when you have an ethnic name, um, I mean, the research has been done and proven time after it's time. It's not an ethnic name. It's a name. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so the- funny, that, but I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm offended on your behalf. <laughs> exactly, right? You have an ethnic name. The recruiters don't even pick your CV up. They just look at it. They toss it to the side, right? Because <sighs> firstly, is they assume you can't speak English, right? And um, they can't be bothered having the conversation, right? So they don't want Ufoma Jamie Duffy. They want Sharon Chuta or Sharon Butcher, as I was at the time. That's what they need, right? So so, so that that's why for me, it was, it was really crazy, you know, having to make those kind of big decisions that are, you think mm-hmm. about it. It's, it's not a light decision that anybody should make in terms of changing your name. That's the core part of your that's- identity. And you have to throw that away just so that you can get to the top. And um, I had to do that. I had to change my accent because the second you have an accent, you don't get far either because people can't be bothered listening to you. And, uh, you know, in my corporate life, it was something I was really excited to do. Really, really uplifted a lot of people of color who couldn't speak really good English. And you go in there and people just treat them so bad. Nobody's willing to listen to them. And going in there, being able to sit and go, listen to what she's saying or listen to what he's Mm -hmm. saying. He has the damn best idea in this room, but you can't be bothered because... the person doesn't speak like you. And as such, you don't, you, you can't even, you can't be bothered to do it. And, yeah. and that's the reality of corporate life. Like sometimes people will reject a person because they don't want the embarrassment of pronouncing your name wrong. No joke. Yeah. yeah because no, I, they I, cannot I pronounce your name. That. You don't get selected. So imagine somebody losing an opportunity because your name wasn't David. Right. And, and, and that, right? Yeah. that's how crazy it is. So, so, yeah. so for me, you know, this was my corporate journey. There was so much of corporate that was really building and foundational for me and really built the person I am today. But at the same time, I understood when I got to a point in time that there was such a thing as culpability by complacency. Um, and if I was just sitting there getting my money, getting my paycheck going, you know what, let me just write this all until I retire, get a, you know, and I'm, I'm all good. Then, then, and that's, that's not it. That's not it. And just like the product I'm developing, one, what I wrote on the palettes that people are going to see next year, um, is a quote from Nelson Mandela, you know, to be free is not only to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that enhances the freedom of others. That was exactly why I left corporate. People want more. Yeah, people want more. Yes. And 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 what what were you seeking to create? With yes, your brand? I wanted to. I wanted to create a modern day hippie community. Right? Wasn't that fun <laughs> in the seventies? The free loving, yeah. the free thinking, and everything. Um, and that was it. Like this is a movement of self love. I wanted to. Create and that's a, a space. that's Oma. You're, you're, that's Oma right? Beauty. Yeah, Oma Beauty is a space where everybody can feel okay being them. Right. I'm the weirdo in chief. I'm not a CEO. I'm the chief weird officer. Like, come here. Like, you know, you want to see weirdness come into my world. Like right now I'm talking to you. I have a dog right next to me in the office. Right. You know, so I'm like the the, the weirdo. I'm a CEO with tattoos and all sorts of stuff. You know, I'm like literally. And I wanted to create a community where everybody can be proud to be themselves. The reasons why we are meant to feel so ashamed of ourselves is just ridiculous. It's Things that we should not be ashamed of. You know, I was actually sitting in a retailer meeting. I was telling them about smoking marijuana and they were looking at me like I was an alien. And I was like, you drink alcohol? And they're like, yeah, I do. So why does that bother you? Right. You know, so it's just so funny that we live in a society that they have there was a certain things that. To be honest, most people can't even leave him because probably the person was sitting next to me going like, oh my God, marijuana. They probably smoke, but they're hiding, right? And and this is the community (laughs) I wanted to create where we can all be ourselves. Like, let's drop the BS. Let's just, let's live it out there. You know, the level of hypocrisy and everything going on in the world. If you're not killing anybody, 
let's actually celebrate that. Like the, the, the amount of things or the, the reasons we actually fight each other are ridiculous. And that's what Alma Beauty is. Alma Beauty is a place yeah. of just self-acceptance, accepting yourself. And I think that is the key to a happy life. If you can accept yourself and you can love yourself, guess what? You're good. You're good because <laughs> you can then even love other people. You can then even receive love. How can you receive love when you hate yourself, right? You can't do that. And so mm-hmm. Alma Beauty is really this space because even though I talk a lot about race and whatever, ultimately what Alma Beauty is, is a home for everybody. And most especially for all those who've been left out, for whatever reason they've been left out, whether it's because of the color of their skin, who they love the size of their body, their lifestyle choice. They have a tattoo. Now everybody's wearing tattoos. Remember there was a time you had a tattoo. You were like the worst human being on the planet because you had a tattoo, right? And so (laughs) that's what Oma Beauty is about. We don't have to wait for a hundred years for us to normalize things. You know, it's a community where... All animals are welcome, right? Everybody goes, you're crazy. You treat is that, the dog like Is that human. your proudest accomplishment, building that community? Or what's your proudest oh, yeah. accomplishment with regards to your career so far? Well, I will definitely build in this community, uh, even though it's still yeah. work in progress. It's just seeing the way, and that was a funny thing. When I set up Oma Beauty, I didn't think it would take, I thought it would probably be about five, six, seven years before people get it. It took overnight. Like it went viral. Why? Because yeah. so many people were thinking exactly what I was thinking, right? And so for me, there is a, a form of just satisfaction and elation knowing that, oh my God, the people who actually think this are actually the majority of the world. So why have we been silent? And then now just continue to ramp that up and enabling and inspiring people to speak up, be who you are, yeah. you know, wear it proudly, you know, don't really, don't, don't care. That's, that's a dream. Like that's a dream. And for me, it just feels like I found my purpose, right? And if my purpose is just to be me, huh? <laughs> how amazing is that? Right. So, yeah. I, I want to ask you about what you have planned next for you and for the brand, but I have to yes. look back for a second because you didn't mention some of your activism. And I want to mention if that's okay, about a little bit over a year ago, you know, in the wake of George Floyd's murder, um, it seemed like no beauty company could say enough that they were committed to diversity and inclusion Ugh. in quotes or hashtag or <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> and you started pull up for change. That's about yes. when you launched it, right? And yes, we've yes. talked about it on the podcast. Can you explain what that movement is and, and, and where, where that's going now? Yes. I mean, Pull Up for Change is a grassroots movement. It was really a movement that was set up to hold corporations accountable, right, with the end goal of creating more economic equity and equality for Black communities all over the world, right? Because we know mm-hmm. that the, the state of Black communities around the world, the economic state, let's even talk, remove the socio or the social kind of aspects of it. Let's just talk about the pure economics. It's, it's abysmal, right? Uh, uh, we are unemployed, um, not because of, I mean, look at me, what I had to do to get in the, in the building, right? It took changing my name, yeah. my accent, you know, working three times as hard as everybody else, making no mistakes, being perfect. Literally, you have to be corporate perfect for you to be selected, right? Um, and so and so for me, it was an opportunity, especially in the wake of George Floyd's death, just seeing companies just turn this into a PR kind of charade, right? It was all about, I'm donating $2 million to Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Like, like, quite literally, who cares, right? You know, this is not about donation. You cannot be coming out there when you're the root cause of the problem, right? You're the root <laughs> cause of the problem. You know, the, the the economic segregation and marginalization drives even more social segregation. Why do we have communities where white people are calling the police when they see a black person? It's because they assume you should not have the economic status to be in that community. So Yeah, and you were look- asking these companies, like, show me who is working there. Exactly. 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 So if you're going to come out and you can release a statement and say, I support the ultimate statement of support is to tell us how many black people you actually hire. Right. And even if you don't hire black people, tell us how you intend to fix this, because donating to NAACP is not going to fix this problem. Hiring black is going to fix this problem. And that's what Pull Up for Change was all about. And it was a movement of the people. Once again, it was a real viral campaign. People took to it. I, it was also an education opportunity for the consumer to understand that they hold the power ultimately. And if I live here with nothing, I want that to sink into consumers, right? Companies exist for one thing, and that's your dollar, period. Nothing else <laughs> Nothing right. else matters. Literally, it's your dollar. If you think about what the consumers have been able to drive as change, look at cruelty-free. It's a standard now. It's no longer a subcategory. It is just a standard because the consumer said, We believe in animal rights and we believe that animals should not be used to test lipsticks, period. 
right? It went from a handful of brands that were niche brands being cruelty-free to now every brand being cruelty-free as a standard, right? Look at vegan, right? In terms of formulas being vegan. Before it was impossible. Mm -hmm. We couldn't do it. Then you had a subset of brands with vegans and consumers said, no, this is what we want. We want that every lifestyle can participate in beauty and beauty changed. So it was also a movement that educated the consumer that you can use your dollars to actually fight for the black community, right? If you tell companies, I'm not going to support you until you show me that you are supporting the black community economically, not by donation, economically, you are making long lasting change. Then I give you my dollar. And that was actually the strength of the movement because it really gave it was, that was, consumers so a that voice. was a year ago. And, and I saw yes. some of these brands that they put up their numbers and everybody's like, oh God, that's horrible. Oh. And then they put some statement like, we know we have work to do, <laughs> you oh, know? Yes. Because I only have 2% people of color in executive Uh positions or whatever it is. So here we are like 16 months later. Have you checked in on anybody or has anybody given you updates? How's it going? Like, is anybody making improvements? Are people voting with their dollars like you hoped that they would? Look, I think uh, when I look at Pull Up for Change, you know, uh, um, a year plus later now, I sort of go, here's what I'm excited about. Like I said, the beauty community would never be the same, right? Because the consumers yeah. woke up and they started holding companies to even a higher degree. Uh, um, a year later, we went back to the companies. We've collected numbers. We've been sharing the numbers for the companies that have chosen to disclose. And for companies that are choosing not to disclose, we've kept it there. We continue to work and advocate behind the scenes, working with companies. We're working and trying to get the uh, EEOC, uh, who is the Equal Employment uh, Opportunity Commissioner, to update the way they collect diversity report because pull up for change should not exist. You know, that's the job of EEOC to collect diversity reports, but they, they make it in a way they're so generic. They're asking you about laborers, you know, uh, um, and the race categorization is just weird. So we've been doing all of that work, but I would say for me, when I look at this 14 months later, um, um, has the consumer enthusiasm weaned off? A little bit, and that's disappointing. Mm. Um, you know, so we have to, all of us who have the energy have to keep reminding people because it's like, oh, people have done it and, you know, and then they moved on to the next thing, right? But we still have uh, overwhelming support, but I think it's one that we can continue to push uh, um, um, to continue to get consumers to be fully aware of the impact of their dollars and what that dollars can do. From the company perspective, there, there's sort of like three different stories we're seeing. The companies oh. who are on the best sides of it are... We're working, we're trying to do all the right things. But what I'm finding with a lot of companies, they seem like they're lost. And this should not be something that makes you lost. It's very easy. Companies tell me, well, we don't know what to do. And I'm like, look at how much progress has been made in bringing women into corporations and bringing women into leadership roles, right? Now, that progress has benefited almost exclusively white women, right? So let me Mm -hmm. tell you, you knew exactly what to do when you wanted to support white women. You know that thing you, you did then? Do it for black people. Right? What do you mean? What do you mean by loss? Like, there's there's no way yes. they're calling you and they're saying, "Oh my God, Sharon, I'm lost." Like that is so yeah. embarrassing. Are they actually they being are. like, we- "Yeah, we don't know what to do," and then you know they have ideas and you go like, "That's terrible." Like, you but know, it shouldn't like, be your job to have to explain to other people how to make you know, change. Like. Well, do you get that's frustrated? the world we live in. Yeah, you do. And, you know, some days it's harder than others. You know, there's been some days I've just gone, I'm going to walk away from all of this because I just can't be bothered dealing with these companies anymore. It's so sucking, right? I, if I'm honest, yeah. I've had some days like that where I've just been yeah. Yeah. in a ball going like, these guys are actually affecting my mental health at this point, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's true. It, it's, it's very taxing, right? Because you're having conversations that you go, I shouldn't have, Right. Um, On the other spectrum, you're having a lot of performative things happening. It seems like companies only understand how to be performative. Can you give me an example? Um, Because, you know, we have a lot of people who listen to the show who work in the industry. And I think it would be interesting for them to hear... like, what not to do? <laughs> yes. Yeah, what not to do? Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, like what's something, you know, we say performative. Yeah, like what, what is yes. like a, a good example? Yes, I'll give you two different examples, right? So I work with a lot of companies. Everybody knew my Make It Black campaign that was all about, hey, let's raise mm-hmm. money for the Black community and let's redefine Black, right? Mm-hmm. There are many companies that had to drop out of that program, right? And end up being like, you know, you've been aggressive or whatever. And the reason is they had no interest in what it was. I and mean, they were like, oh, we love this. But all the questions was, when is the press release going to come out? Yeah, what's happening with the press? And and you just sort of go, okay. And then, you know, you had some companies who were like, oh, yeah, we want to do this, we want to participate. Oh, but yeah, we're going to donate $5,000 to this. And these are like This huge. was just to clarify, this is large companies giving money to huge. small businesses that are owned by people of color. <laughs> 
Exactly. Or black, black women, right? To help black women. Exactly. We can't yes. raise okay. money. Only 0.006% of capital goes to us. And it's like, yeah, we want to support, but they want to support from the appearances of it. And when it comes to the mm. behind the scenes, the actual hard numbers, everybody's like, oh yeah, I want to give the least, right? Oh, but I want to spend that money instead in the marketing campaign to promote it, to create awareness. And I keep going to create awareness for what, right? When are we going to stop creating awareness? Like, you know, there is a, we know, we know that the community is suffering. So, so give me the 10,000 that would have been on some Instagram campaign and I can give it to this business owner to t- exactly. as a loan, a micro loan or whatever. To exactly. Build a, brand. a grant. Exactly. To actually build this. Right. So it's yeah. one of the things like that where I go like, you know, people always looking at that kind of surface. It was the same thing with me. And I and I said this out publicly and called out a lot of retailers trying to create a black owned section and la 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 la. I go like the goal is integration. I am saying do not reject me because I'm black and not just, you know, just, you know, po- you can't do that because what you're doing is creating a psyche to that consumer who's just been introduced to the brand that all the brand is is black owned. I am yeah. beyond the color of my skin. Alma Beauty is a brand with a proposition. There is, if you want to help me, put me next to Mac, right? Put right. And what you were saying at the top of the show, you're saying that it's about, it's for everyone and it's about expressing exactly. who you are, which honestly, exactly. I've got to say, that's a message that I don't think through the press is made clear enough. And I think that's um, that's a failing of you know, the, of, of, the, <laughs> of the beauty media. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 and influencers and, um, just do the storytelling and that, that's, that's not on you. One thing that you said that that perked my ears up, um, when you said the performative thing, you said that, um, some brand partners didn't like the messaging around make it black or they, they, they thought it was too no, much. No, they liked it. No, no, they loved it. They oh. loved the messaging because the messaging looked good. And that was what they were interested in being part of. Right. They just wanted the messaging. They just they wanted, wanted the to, press release. Not they wanted the a press action. release. They wanted something that made them look good for Black History Month, as opposed to even like some conversation I had of like, do you even care about the person who's on the other end of that? You don't, right? It's the same thing. You look at um right now in corporations trying to get diversity numbers, right? And you're mm-hmm. having a lot of employees blocking it, going like, I will not give my detail. And it's like, hang on, everywhere else you go in life, you tick a box, right? You tick your hair color, you give your driver's license, yeah. you give all of your identifiers. This is just asking a question of your race, right? So you yeah. think about how disengaged people from it. When you think about the people who are re- refusing to tick a box in order to help the companies be better are people who are employed. They have a job. It's not their problem. So they go like, oh, you know, I, it makes me feel a kind of way. I'm like, the person who's on the other side without a job doesn't even have the privilege to feel any kind of way. Right. Literally. You a have a seat. In jail, right. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They're out there on the streets getting into trouble just to get basic food, water, shelter. And you there right on top of the Maslow's hierarchy and join yourself and going, I'm not going to take that survey because I'm it uncomfortable. hurts my feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, and, and, that's, yeah. and those are the kind of things that dishearten me so much, right? Yeah. Those are the kind of things that I've been in some of those meetings. I've even seen employees of color challenging. Oh, how is this going to make things better? Just because you have a job does not mean that, you know, and then there's some paranoia in some, in some places where it's like, well, my job is going to get traded off because they're going to go hire people of color, right? So you think about mm. the degree of selfishness, right, that, that comes through here, which is, firstly, there is enough to go around. Firstly, right now, there's a huge labor shortage. There's enough to go around for everybody. Let's start from there. That's a very good point. Secondly, you know, you ticking a box to help your company understand the gaps in the hiring process. If you think that is too much, then we all have to take a good look at ourselves. And, and you know, it's it's things like that that there's still a lot of work to do on every front. And, and that's why sometimes it seems like the work is so great that still needs to be done. You look at it and go like, oh, I just made a dent and it makes you feel happy. And then you look and go like, it's a tiny, tiny dent. Um, but I'm excited because I have the energy for it. So bring it on. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. 
Ritual's Highest Hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually try. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Hey everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how aloe moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on allomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. have occupied so many spaces in the beauty industry. You know, you were like corporate, you know, I would say corporate warrior, but maybe you would say corporate soldier, you know. Um, (laughs) You were once like a teen head honcho. Um, You've been, you've been everything. But now just like looking at the beauty industry, just like as, I don't know, almost as like a consumer, just like 
just like as yourself, you know, just like walking through Nordstrom, walking through CVS, whatever. Like, what's your what's your read on the whole place? I feel like the, it it's just changed so much, like even in the past year, in the past couple of years. Yes. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of changes that's happened in the industry. I think I'll, I'll start with all the positive changes. I think the fact that these conversations are so topical now, I think that's great. The conversation, the fact we can even have this conversation um, so publicly and the things I'm saying, and, and it, we're normalizing that this is okay to talk about this. Because remember, for the longest time, beauty was in a space of I don't see color, which was pretty much uh, uh, the, the introduction of beauty apartheid, right, uh, for every mm-hmm. community of color. So I think the progress that we've had right now to get to this point is great. I love it when I go on Trend Mood and see brands launching, you know, really, you know, interesting things. And you have the whole conversation go like, oh, hell no. Like, you know, what that shade range and stuff like that. So that's really amazing. That's really good progress to see consumers watching that hard. I think it's also been good progress in retailers, especially since last year and the awakening and the, the accountability and everything that we're doing start to do more, you know, to be more accepting and, and, and start to be aware of the gaps, you know, in terms of the support for entrepreneurs of color and specifically black entrepreneurs who you just don't find, you know, um, um, in, in this mainstream retailer. So I think it's been really amazing. I mean, this year I launched um, in Nordstrom and to go to New York City and see the whole windows taken over and the, the 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 middle and I was able to do it exactly my way. I had like women in Gilly, like this is a traditional African outfit on the window. And that really made me happy to see that because these were things that we didn't see growing up. We were so ashamed of how we looked traditionally to see a mainstream retailer plaster their whole windows with that. That's yeah. strong impact, right? Because of, of, of what we're doing there. So I think when I see things like that, it makes me really happy and it gives me hope that we're stepping in the right direction. Also, when I see the profit coming from it, because remember, the only reason people will do it is if it's profitable, right? And I'm loving mm-hmm. to see the consumers supporting more and, and it being profitable, which is making these retailers want to do it more. So I really love that. So I think when I when I look at the beauty industry today, I think we've come away. Uh, we still have a very long way to go. I want to still see a lot more done. I want to see the back end. I want to see the, the, you know, like I said, the employment, the artistry. We still live in an industry where Beauty schools don't teach about skin of color. Think about that, right? You can be mm-hmm. certified as a makeup artist, but you don't know how to do skin of color. Actually, we live in an industry where the makeup artists who can do skin of color are classified as ethnic makeup artists, and the mainstream ones don't do skin of color, right? Whereas it should be the norm. If you cannot do all skin, then you should not be a makeup artist, right? Um, it's not even in the curriculum, right, to actually teach these people. So, you know, and that, that's that's even just the foundation of it. So we have a long way to go. Can you speak a little bit more to that? I think that's interesting. And because you've worked with color cosmetics brands and obviously you have a color cosmetics brand. Is is that something that you are coming up against when you work with, you know, makeup artists for events or just, you know, uh, testing products? Oh my God, it's, I mean, I've, I come against it as a consumer. Eventually I've been a black mm-hmm. woman trying to book a makeup artist, good luck to you. Um, <laughs> um, let alone as a, as a brand, uh, you know, booking makeup artists and we always have very diverse models and you have to always be, oh, can you do it? I mean, hairstylist is a, a completely yeah, we've a talked about lot yeah, of hair. Oh, no, ha- hair we talk about a lot, but honestly, um, on this show, you know, we've been doing this show for five years now. I can honestly say I don't think we've discussed this topic very much. So I'm interested that you brought it up. Yeah, exactly. No, makeup artists are abysmal, right? I don't even want to call big names. But even when you look at some of even the biggest makeup artists that we have now, the women of color, they actually worked with makeup artists who were mainstream at the time who couldn't do women of color makeup. And when they got the celebrity client, they had to give it to their assistant and then the assistant blew up, Mm. right? Um, And is the assistant, assistant a person of color? Yeah, exactly. Of course, it's a person of color. So in the past, it was actually relegated to people of color to do people of color makeup because they were the only ones who could do makeup for people of color, right? Up till today, there are only very few white makeup artists that can do makeup of color, period. Very few. Very, very few. Yeah, you can look at portfolios to see the proof of that. Exactly. Very, very few of them know know what to do with black skin and black face. And they make you look all sorts of crazy. And I've worked with big makeup (laughs) artists. You look crazy. Like, Have you ever gotten a makeup job where you're just like, I'm like a to- like my neck does not match my face or like what oh, happens? Oh my god! I, what goes wrong? You, you have a deep when skin tone. Married, what goes wrong? Yeah. Exactly. When I got married the first time, right? We had this extravaganza of a wedding because I was very young, and I, that's the kind of stuff you want to do, right? So at the time we got married at the Burj Al Arab in Dubai, it was still new. It was like the biggest hotel. Like it was a spectacle. So I booked the most expensive makeup artist money could get me <laughs> mm-hmm. because. 
this was my day. I was supposed to look like a complete princess, you know, uh, um, 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 on that day. I literally, if I showed you my wedding photos from my first wedding, <laughs> you will be appalled. I looked mad. The foundation was <laughs> nowhere close to my shade. And this was back in the day where, to be honest, even the makeup artists wanted to, uh, they couldn't find it, right? I was like giving like purple and silver eyeshadow that came all the way up to the top to my lids. Now, anybody who knows dark skin knows you have to run away from those kind of pale colors, right? You have to go run away. warm. You Not just run walk away, away you cool got to run away. <laughs> exactly, from anything that's cool. My whole face was plastered in cool tones. Like it was the very like pastel-y purples and silver. Was oh, like, how was the flashback on the camera? Oh, that probably no, was delightful. Oh, no, don't even. Oh, I can't. This is like bringing Jen. PTSD. Like, yo, my sisters, so I remember so sorry. they walked into the room and normally, you know, when they walk into the room, the bride getting her hair and her makeup done, you should have the, oh, you look beautiful. My sisters were like, and I was like, oh, no, 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 don't tell me it's one of these. And I look so mad and my, they were trying to be polite. It's not that bad, but you see them like trying to wipe off whatever they can wipe off your face. But I was already You're like right an hour here. late here, to the wedding. Let me blend a little. Right, exactly. And I paid this makeup artist, no joke, four and a half thousand dollars for this makeup. Four and a half. Let me just tell you the you caliber of makeup artist. And this was yeah. what, like what, 14 years ago? Imagine four and a half thousand dollars all that time ago, right? 14 years ago. And I looked like a clown, like a complete. And this is okay if you wanted to look like a clown and you look like a clown. I just came out looking like a clown when I wanted to look like, you know, something different. <laughs> like a and so, clown. Oh like my God, I can't even look at those photos. I can't, like, it's actually a good thing we got divorced because I would have had to be showing that wedding picture all the time. So I was like, okay, the, <laughs> the good thing is that situation solved itself and 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 and, and I moved on. But that's how bad a woman it's of color has it. It's good you can laugh about day. it because it's not funny. It's like, it's sad. No, I'm glad. It was bad. Yeah. It was wow. bad. It was, it was. So can it, I ask I think you, that, you made me think of this. Yes. With the camera, I realized... Just like a couple of weeks ago, you had a runway show. You did like a beauty yes. runway show, right? Yes, I did. So, I did. Congrats on that, by the way. Thank you. How did it go? And how did you find a team to work with? Like if this is still an issue, you know? Oh, look, the first thing I did was uh, I always assembled an A-team. Like first the Sir John, right? You, you're, you bring it. Because like I say, you know, artists of color always learn how to do makeup on everyone, Right. Oh, no he, was your, he was your key. He was your he key was makeup key. artist. And okay. every time I'm doing a show, I always tend to go with artists of color because just innate, there is, there is no option. Like if you're an artist of color, you must learn how to do everybody. If right. you, on the flip side, they don't need to learn how to do it. It's not, it's not a requirement, right? So, you know, my, my makeup artist, my key makeup was Sir John, you know, man of color. Uh, my, my key hairstylist was Rachel, woman of color. She can make any hair type. She can go from dreadlocks to twists to bantu knots mm -hmm. to waves to bed hair. That's what every stylist should be like, right? So, so when I'm doing any big project, they were the same thing that worked with me on my Coming to America project that was so Afrique, so right? Cool. And, and, and they delivered that and they came back in and delivered a project that was so diverse and multicultural and international, right? And so that's the power and that's what I want every makeup artist and every hairstylist to be like, where I don't have to keep going to the stylist or artist of color. Obviously, I would always support stylists. I always love using predominant teams of color. So regardless, I would still support. Uh, but I, I wish and I hope for a world where everybody can be a surgeon and do makeup on whoever, so do you, you do you think that's going to change because you know with the brands and I realize that like it, it they're not you know it's so big because it's about education it's about training it's this is not like a standardized brand thing where you know the brands can all look at each other and quickly say okay you know CoverGirl's got fifty shades you know Fenty's got fifty plus shades and then they all kind of align you know it, it's it's different than brands and artistry but I feel like when we talk about foundation sh um, shade ranges, the brands kind of quickly got in line. And mm -hmm. now there's a, there's it's a sea change and it's unacceptable to, um, to not offer a diverse shade range. But with yes. artistry, it seems like it is still acceptable to only be able to work within certain parameters, both with yes. hair and as we're talking about now with makeup. Why yes. is it not really changing? 
I realize you're not an um, artist, but like, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, the artists will do what the people paying them are asking for, right? That's why I go in the end of the world, the green makes the world go round, right? And that's the (laughs) truth. If artists weren't getting booked, if they were only one-sided, they would make themselves all rounded, right? Uh, And and that's just how it works, right? So so everything still comes back to the industry and the ecosystem that has not required that of them, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Brands creating 40 Shades of Foundation is very simple. It's literally the easiest thing you can do, right? Because all they did is just go and copy and paste, is go buy brands like mine, buy Fenty, buy whatever, uh, buy Makeup Forever, buy Mac, and just replicate it, right? It's it's super easy. It doesn't cost anything. I'm absolutely honest, not the belittling the, the t- you know. It's it's very it's very hard to do hair. You know, hair well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not yeah. being like, well, why can't you do braids? You know, like it's, exactly, it's a right? tremendous <laughs> but, it's a but, tremendous but you skill. Also, you don't have to. Uh, you know, a lot of stylists can't create braids, but they can style braids. You don't have mm. to be the one braiding the hair because, to be honest, imagine trying to braid. This takes ten hours. You can't break yeah. that on set, right? So if yeah. a person is coming in braids, I would already come with my braids and I just needed to style the braids. So it's yeah. actually not that hard, right? And I think on this other side, why that's not happening is now this is this is actually the, the intent. And that's why I go, it comes from the companies and the people who are hiring. They don't care. The marketing person writes a brief out. They don't couldn't be bothered. They're not even going to cast a model of color. So who cares, right? So it's not a problem for them. It's never been a problem. You know, even up till now, people don't actually notice about brands. Most brands, when they have campaigns, don't even use their own products in their campaign. Fact. Yeah. I, I will repeat that again. Most brands will come and say, I'm doing a shoot for a mascara and not even use that mascara in the shoot. They would just get the makeup artist and then the marketer just sits on the side. They don't really care. Like when makeup artists come to my shoot, they find me difficult because I insist they must use my products. Can you believe that? I am called a crazy, <laughs> difficult person because I booked you to come and do a campaign for my brand. And I'm asking you to actually use the product and only the product in doing that campaign. And the, so it shows you how much you're not even used to hearing that, right? So it's the brands creating this ecosystem because they're not requiring this of makeup artists. If, if the brand was going, hey, I'm shooting like every of my shoots, the first part on the brief is you're going to be having multiple models from all around the world. No model is going to leave there feeling like garbage, right? And instead, what this brands and this ecosystem better is agents, even fashion week, all of them, ask every model of color. They will talk to you about bringing their own foundations there. They will talk to you about styling their hair themselves and coming there. They will talk to you about doing their own makeup because the brands who have hired, you know, a brand who's doing the show has deemed that the black models don't matter. As long as you can get Gigi Hadid on the runway, that's all that matters. Every other person can get lost for all we care, right? And so <laughs> I think that's what's causing the problem. Oh my so God. we can't blame the artists. We have to blame the ecosystem that has not required that of artists because if they were losing jobs because you can't do makeup for models of color or losing it because you can't, you know, pretty much literally pack braids, you pack it up, you put a band on it. It's not that complicated, right? Uh, right? If you were like, I lose the gig for that, guess what? You would have put an extra 40 hours studying and practicing on how to do that because it's not that complicated. Right. It's not, it's Their livelihood hasn't depended on it yet. No, exactly. And that's what okay. needs to change, right? Yep. The second brands start prioritizing and even when now they're hiring models, but they're not treating all models equal on set. That's the truth, right? Um, they're still treating. I was uh, one of my shoots I was doing early this year, and uh, we were trying to style the model to look like Grace Jones. Um, that was the inspiration. And so this makeup artist had put a wig on her and styled the wig to look like Grace Jones. And the model actually was giving feedback to this makeup artist, um, hairstylist, sorry, saying, no, I want you to use my actual hair. My hair actually looks better doing the style because naturally it's it, it looks like that. All you just need to do is trim around it and yeah. style it properly. This makeup artist was so, uh, a hairstylist was so mad, stormed to me to come and expected me to come and tear that model down and tell the model, you get what you get, right? Because the truth is the model was right. It looked cheap. You know, it didn't look great, right? But Like a short wig with a fade is not going to be the same. I don't know what look you were doing. It looked like she was wearing a weird kind of crown or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And the fact that the hairdresser and all of them, the whole production crew, stomped to me. To oh my tell God! Me how usually difficult. they want to, they love doing cutting hair and doing <laughs> right? like it's like it was, <laughs> should be a dream for a hairstylist. <laughs> but that's why they just wanted to do it around their wig or whatever. And this person was like, "No, use my actual hair. It's going to give you a better result than this wig, right?" And so the fact that the crew and them all felt like, "Oh, we're gonna go come get Sharon and she's gonna put you in your place," right? That's what they assumed was gonna happen. Yeah. And then I walked on the set and I looked at her. I was like, "I she's right. Style her hair." And guess what? They finally styled her hair and it looked absolutely beautiful. But the hairstylist actually had to walk off for like 20 minutes to go calm down and then came back, calm down like a professional and did it, right? If I was not in that room, that girl would have been shut down straight away. She would have been called problematic, uh, which means even next time she wouldn't have got booked for the shoots. For saying something that was so true. It's like, you know, you having this long, beautiful hair and somebody says, put it in a wig so we can put a wig of the exact same hair on you. But now you're saying because my hair is wrapped in it, it, the wig is starting from there. And the person is telling you like, (laughs) yeah, it's just going to be what it is. And you tell them, no, you can just curl my hair and it will do this. And the person's like, you know, that's the reality of what that ask was. But if I wasn't there as a person of color um, to understand that, that girl would have been shut down called problematic and she wouldn't have been booked for future gigs and that's why yeah, it most models of color yeah. are quiet so so that's why it goes the companies the companies are this at the be all and end all yeah. this all makes perfect sense listen we we want to know before we let you go we got to know some of your favorite products they can be mm. from your line but of course we want to know some you know uh, well, your just, lines you have multiple yeah. lines <laughs> now to choose from. Exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, tell us you know what you love what you can't live without Oh my God. Uh, very, very tough question. It's like asking a, a, a mother to pick her favorite children. Um, very difficult. I'm a skin person. I always will be. Uh, actually, one of the things recently, because for me, that's the honest truth, it changes. Like even within my range, I have favorites at different points in time. But right now, one of the things I'm so obsessed with, I just created this dry wipes. Uh, because, and the reason I'm so obsessed with it is because it's been something that's been bothering me for years. Everybody who knows me knows I despise wet wipes. The only thing I despise almost as much as wet wipes is powders, right? Um, actual like setting powders. I despise powders and I despise wet wipes because wet wipes, firstly on your skin, they're just terrible. They just dry, dehydrate your skin um, to make sure they don't go. Because if you think about it, a wet wipe is wet, it's moist, and it's put in an environment where you open and you close it. That thing should go moldy, like instantly. The reason it doesn't go moldy <laughs> is because of all the stuff they put in it to make it not go moldy. And that's So you what, wanted like a preservative-free dry wipe. Dry wipe. And one that's better for the planet. And I made it in the end. I'm sorry, but what Did do you make use it. it for? I'm not picturing how to use this. Oh my God, it's amazing. So it's cotton-based, right? It's actually just made out of pure cotton. It's already been pre-infused with argan oil. And that's actually what the remover mm. is. When you're ready to use it, you just put it under a tap, just wet it, and that thing removes your makeup faster, more oh, still, effectively okay, than a white. makeup and things it like that. It removes okay. makeup, and also you can use it just to clean, rehydrate your face. Like It's like going to a spa. Nice. You know when you go to a spa and they do that on your face and it just uh, feels so uh. good. So that's me now. Like Even today I'm not wearing makeup, but you can see I'm oily. The day I get home, I just take those wipes, put it on the warm water, and just Oh, around your my skin face. looks good. I like your skin. Your Thank so you. Thank you. So, so that is okay. literally right now, like my favorite thing because I'm always like wiping my face with it. Um, and then outside that, everybody knows I'm a skin gal, like, you know, um, so I would say my, say what foundation always, always, always. Cause it's both my skincare and my foundation at once. And then a non Alma beauty product that I really love. I mean, I've talked about this many times in places, Dr. To Sebar um, skincare. They've got this mask, this uh, heat um, activated exfoliating mask. That mm-hmm. thing is like everything. Like it is everything. Uh, anybody who's not in that, I threw away, I stopped using scrubs um, um, years ago and I swapped into this product and it's been. Like literally, it just melts, especially me, oily skin. It just melts everything off your face. You use it two, three times a week, and that's the life. And for me, everybody knows my skincare is simple. It's that. It's a very, very, very gentle foam wash. Um, we go straight into vitamin C. I'm crazy about vitamin C. I just made one. There's 20% with niacinamide and hyaluronic acid. Oh, you see me. Like, this, is, this is where I get my, I get my kicks off, right? Um, and so it'll be Dr. Sabah's exfoliating mask is my non-Oma beauty product that I can't leave without. Okay. Fat Mascara 5. What beauty product do you first remember falling in love with? Um, Maybelline um, Big Lash. Great Lash Mascara. 
Mm, classic. If there was one rule you wish everybody would follow, what would it be? Be yourself, love yourself, everyone's taken. Love yourself, everyone's taken? Everyone else taken. Like, right? Are you, how can I try and be you? You're already you, right? So that's like, oh, I get it. I get it. I, get really, it. I thought, you know, it's, a, it's I'm like sorry. everyone's taken. Every, every other slot is gone. The only slot available is you. So, so be you and <laughs> May love as well. you. There is no other option. It. So, whether you like you or not, love you, that's all you're going to get. It's only one life. That's it. <laughs> like, so, so yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, your, what's your favorite snack, Sharon? Uh, I would say have to say fries, not French fries. Mm. I hate them skinny. I need steak cut fries, thick, crunchy oh. on the outside, nice and juicy on the inside. That's it. <laughs> like a chip. I get it. Okay. Yes. What is your most played song on your playlist right now? Oh, that's a tough one. I would say there's two songs that actually, no, it, as of today, it's probably really weird. Uh, a few weeks ago, I remember the song, and I've been playing it on repeat. Um, it's uh, Mr. President's Coco Jumbo. Uh, I know you remember that song. Yeah, 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 Coco Jumbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, oh. it's just, uh, it was a song when also, I was young. Also, Sharon, <laughs> you can't sing. Oh, stop I, it. I just heard- no, that was like, I was like, if I had to sing a verse right now, it wouldn't sound like that. I can <laughs> definitely see why you had like, you know, why there was, you have a musical past. A little bit, exactly. Yeah, last question. If there was to be a movie made of your life or the TV series, as we've discussed, who would be the narrator? <laughs> oh, it has to be Maya Angelou. We have to re- revive her from the grave and just get her to do it. That's probably why I can't do this because it has to be Maya Angelou, that voice. So then we just can't. Exactly. My life is so chaotic. You need a calm, poised voice. And that is the perfect <laughs> backdrop to it. They can't be, they can't be getting voice. somebody all like, ah, went on screen, all that's going on is, ah! So you need it to be like, Sharon going like, hey, Revlon, I'm a, totally an entrepreneur. And Mangelo was like, and the entrepreneur in her kicked in, you know? It sort of balances it out and makes it quite posh, you know? So yeah. <laughs> She'd be the oh interview, Yang. I love it. Sharon, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a delight. Thank you, No, Sharon. thank you. It was so good. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's highest hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp. 
something we learned about on a recent episode, and all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did, start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 